You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 68, for September 16th, 2015. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, I sit down with Patricia Martz and Severe Valentin, the president and vice president of the California Cultural Resources Protection Alliance in Pat's home in Irvine, California. We talk about what the CCRPA is, what they do for cultural resources, and what you can do to get involved. So do your part and go tell someone about the archaeology you're doing, because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. Okay, welcome to the show, everyone. I don't have any co-hosts today, but I do have some in-house guests, and uh, usually we do all our interviews over Skype, so it's nice to be face-to-face with somebody and not at a conference, not at a noisy conference. That's, I think this is the first uh, interview I've done in someone's house for the podcast in over two and a half years. You are truly in-house. I'm truly in-house, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I've got uh, Silver Valentin and Patricia Martz of the California Cultural Resources Preservation Alliance, the CCRPA. Uh, www.ccrpa.com and we'll have that link in the show notes for anybody that wants to go check out the website and any other links we mentioned on the show anything else that we can we'll put in the show notes for the website so people can find that Facebook Facebook. well and this show is linked through Facebook oh, as well okay. so Facebook Twitter it's on LinkedIn it's all over the place so um, but on the webpage www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash CRM arc podcast forward slash 68 (laughs) which is a mouthful rewind that and write it down again um you'll find the show notes for this podcast so all right so let's get into this uh first i'm going to have uh patricia and then silver uh introduce themselves and and give a little bit of their backgrounds and and uh and then we'll talk about what the ccrpa is and uh and what you guys do here in california so patricia why don't you go ahead and start Okay, um, I'm Patricia Martz, and I'm Professor Emerita of uh, Anthropology and Archaeology at Cal State Los Angeles. And uh, prior to that, I, I was a uh, senior archaeologist for the Army Corps of Engineers. Prior to that, I was an archaeologist for the Archaeological Research Unit at, as a grad student and did a lot of CRM work and, and also volunteer in those days we learned archaeology by volunteering first. <laughs> um, and while I was a professor at Cal State Los Angeles, I was appointed by Governor Duke Mason and then Governor Wilson for the uh, to serve as prehistoric archaeologist on the State Historical Resources Commission. And I served there for six years. It was a very um, interesting experience and in, and. In, in, an educational one. Mm-hmm. How long did you teach at uh, Cal State Los Angeles? Um, twenty years. Twenty years. Wow, nice. Okay. And so, so I'm yep. very young. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so, there your uh, background? I'm an archaeologist uh, doing CRM in California. Uh, I was one of Pat Mart's student. Mm-hmm. She she taught me archaeology. That's how. I, that's how come he's so good. I know, I know. <laughs> um, after I was done with school, I, I did uh, a lot of CRM projects, surveys and uh, excavation projects. And uh, I worked as field techs, crew chief, and uh, later on I became cultural resource specialist for 
big some big CRM firms, and uh, I also worked at uh, Camp Pendleton Marine Corps as a cultural resource specialist, uh, uh, as a federal contractor, not as a GS employee. But that was for one year almost. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the, like I said at the beginning, um, the California Cultural Resources Preservation Alliance. Um, Pat, why don't you tell us what what is that? What did, what do you do? Well, uh, we're a, like a grassroots organization, although we are uh, since two thousand and four um, a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Okay. But the reason that we got established was. Um, there was a huge site, 9,000-year-old site, in Newport Beach, Back Bay. And it was supposed to be an open space, but a developer got in there and wanted to build a gated community. And uh, the destruction of that site led, led a lot of people to be very concerned, mm -hmm. Native Americans and archaeologists. So um, I asked around and we got together with some some of the one annual people in in orange county because they're mainly the most active native americans in orange county and so it, what it is is an alliance of archaeologists native americans um, historians um, cultural resource people managers and and just the interested public people that are interested in preserving uh archaeological sites mm -hmm. And um, this site that, I, that started the whole thing off, um, the city didn't let people know that there was a, a, an important village site there because they were using the Non-Disclosure Act as an excuse. And so they got the, uh, the citizens to vote for this project to go in. The CRM firm excavated 100 one-by-one one units and missed 600 burials. Wow. Which were then found by the bulldozer. Wow. And so th this was one of the you know, 9,000-year-old site with uh, huge blades that were um, came from Oregon, mm -hmm. fire, uh, fire clay figurines, stone balls, I mean, all kinds of very interesting things. And the report was an executive summary this big. And the archaeological materials, um, I reviewed the, or I read the... Uh, research design, and it said that both um, recorded and non-recorded artifacts would be, were going to be done. So in other words, they weren't going to sort everything, okay. sorted and unsorted. And so the, the unsorted materials were put in boxes and sent to the warehouse in Santa Ana mm -hmm. and put in metal containers where it got so hot, all the labels popped off. So wow. there was no provenience. Right. And so it was just you know, a, a real bad deal. So we decided that to pick the 10 most important sites in Orange County and try to monitor them and, and protect them. And we've been working ever since, at, um, going to hearings, writing letters, mm -hmm. um, trying to convince developers and property owners to put archaeological sites in open space or even under a parking lot, but just to preserve them rather than digging them up. And right, and uh, having some CRM firm write a boilerplate yeah. uh, report, right. and and the public the public doesn't know anything about that site. Hmm. So. Was that in Darby Stapp's Avoiding Archaeological Disasters? That book. I don't know if that made it. It sounds or not, familiar. 
Yeah. It might have been, yeah. Sounds like it should be in the second version if it's not. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was just, you know, a, a yeah. traumatic experience, but it, that's what got us started. Mm -hmm. What year was that? That was, uh, I think, 1978, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so we, we got started it in 1978, and um, one of the things that we did do that was amazing was uh, worked with the Irvine Company to preserve the Tomato Spring sites. And so mm -hmm. 100 acres of that site is, is going to be preserved. And we have uh, a memorandum of understanding with them about preservation of that site. So housing is going in all around it. Mm -hmm. And they're also going to build a uh, like a community center that's going to have a whole room for interpretation of the Native American artifacts and things. Okay. So, so that was one of our victories. Um, we've lost a lot of projects that we were trying to preserve. And the, tr the thing that we're so concerned about is this mitigation. Mm -hmm. the, going right to data recovery mitigation. And not only is that a disservice to the archaeology of the future, because it's archaeology as it's done today is very destructive. Right. And I think in 50 years, we're going to have remote sensing that's so good, we can go over a site in a hovercraft and interpret everything we see and then surgically excavate what we need to to ground-proof things. For sure. And if there's nothing left in 50 or 100 years, it's so, but so that's a disservice to archaeology. And uh, things are dug up like cemeteries, mm -hmm. prehistoric cemeteries are, are excavated. And then they dig a big pit somewhere and dump all the bones in there and reburial. And, and a Native American gets paid to do the ceremony and the archaeologists get paid for digging it up. Mm -hmm. And so I want them preserved in place yeah. and not reburied somewhere with, you know, grave goods all thrown in. And so it's a disservice to archaeology, but also it's a disservice to the public. And it's a terrible disservice to the Native Americans because data recovery doesn't do anything for them. Mm -hmm. it, 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 their values, and you know, it, there's been a revival of Native Americans learning their language, and this is all they have left of their uh, ancestors and their history. And data recovery is just destroying that. It's not right. helping it. So. We're trying to convince developers and property owners to put sites in open space and preserve them. Well, that's that's good to think about. I, I was talking to some some colleagues of mine not too long ago about that. How you know archaeology is about learning about the past, and data recovery is not necessarily archaeology. Data data recovery is a tool, and yeah. sometimes it's necessary, and sometimes it's not. You know, I mean, if they're going to dig up a whole thing anyway, then you may as well do some data recovery on it. But if they're not going to, and they can say cap it or cover it yeah. and save it for the future, yeah, that's a good point. So, and I think CRM companies can still make their money mm -hmm. because you've got to test a site. You have to determine the boundaries, mm -hmm. and usually they upfront data recovery anyways. You know, they do they test it right. to the point where they don't need to do much when it's a data recovery phase. So it, so they wouldn't lose out that much, but they could still preserve things for the future. And um, the Native Americans are very concerned about losing all these sites. 90% of the coastal sites in Orange County have been destroyed. Wow. So, you know, there's not that many left that 
right. for the future and, and for Native Americans. There's a site, um, there's a park, Fairview Park, and it's a conservation park, it's supposed to be to preserve plants and animals. And there's a huge archaeological site that is listed on the National Register of Historic Places, it's ORA 58. Mm -hmm. And cogstones have been found there and all kinds of interesting things during WPA archaeology and awesome. burials. Well, the city council, Costa Mesa City Council, wants to make it a sports park. And so we're yeah. fighting that along with the residents around there who want to leave it natural so they can go out with their kids and look at the birds and the plants and things. And there's even vernal pools there. And mm. So that's one of the projects we're working real hard on to try to save from being a sports park. So you keep saying we're in, refer in reference to the CCRPA, but, yeah. but who is that? I mean, it's not just you two, right? Oh, no. <laughs> so like who, who is that right now? Like what, is that, what does that mean? Um, you mean the people that are... Mm -hmm. Yeah, like how many people, let's say, what do you call your, uh, like, members? Or do you become a member of this? Yeah, or do yeah. you become, yeah, we so... Have, well, we have a board. Okay. And, and on our board, we have uh, Rebecca Robles, who's a one a and uh, Alfred Cruz Jr. And Rebecca's on the board because her mother, Lillian Robles, mm -hmm. uh, was, out, was one of the... Uh, uh, Native Americans who has saved the Pavunga site at Cal State Long Beach from okay. a strip mall. Oh. She put a tent there and wouldn't let them, <laughs> mm -hmm. wouldn't let them bulldoze. And then later, later they were sued, and they so now they protect it. And she started the Ancestor Walk, mm. which is very interesting. What hap what happens is they start at uh, near Pen Camp Pendleton at the site known as Panhe, mm -hmm. and they don't really walk we drive to the next <laughs> and then we go to san juan capistrano where uh, the founding village of the Juanino was destroyed for a catholic high school wow. and then we go to um the site in newport beach back bay that was where there's now a gated community mm -hmm. and they have a ceremony and throw tobacco where they think the burials are and okay. Yeah, we, we stand in front of the gate yeah. because we can't get into the, the community because it's gated. Wow. So you well, can't really go to the village where no. the village site was standing. You can only stay behind the closed yeah. gate. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And also sad. same at, in San Juan Capistrano. They can't <clears throat> go where the, the burials are. They did cap it mm -hmm. and put the sports field over, but a lot of the buildings destroyed a lot of the site. Yeah. And then uh, they go to uh, Seal Beach, where um, a cemetery was kept and preserved, and then to Cal State Long Beach, where they have a big potluck and they have the bear dancers come and dance. And mm -hmm. So uh, Lillian was on our board and she passed away, and then her daughter came on. Okay. And uh, we have uh, a uh, real estate lawyer who's a history buff. And we have uh, a, a real estate person who's just interested in trying to preserve sites and um, a couple other Native Americans. So it's, and several archeologists. So the, and okay. we just work together and some people go to a hearing here and some go to a hearing there and write mm -hmm. letters and. Okay. Are you based, uh, I mean, do you operate all over California then? Well, or mostly around here? We were naive when we started <laughs> calling it the California Cultural Resource Preservation Alliance. 
we rarely get out of Orange County because so Orange County is almost uh, uh, built out. Yeah. And so there's there's still some sites of here that we're trying to okay. protect. But we do I do get um, emails from Chumash people mm -hmm. asking for help with preserving a site in Santa Barbara or Ventura. So okay. I give them advice and help them with that. So if somebody oh, called you from, from elsewhere in California, yeah. you would talk to them and say... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try to help them yeah. write letters. And we've gotten help, too. Um, one of the big problems is getting sites listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Mm -hmm. Because with a, a built property, you know, a house or a historic house or something, there's incentives. Yeah. But for archaeological sites, there's no incentives. And... Uh, this shippo and the and the keeper of the register make it real difficult. Really? It's really hard to get a site listed. Okay. And if someone ought to do a study, I think to my knowledge there's only four or five sites in Orange County that are listed on the National Register. Mm. And two of those are, are to only listed as eligible because the property owners object. Okay. So that's one of the things we do too is, is nominate sites for the National Register and it's a lot of work. They've revised the rules and you have to have special kind of photographs and <clears throat> the boundaries and... Yeah, it, and used, it, it used to be a lot simpler. Yeah, it was right? a lot simpler, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult to get a site listed. Wow. So, Silvera, so uh, how did you get involved and, and what do you do to help out? Well, f I got involved obviously because I know Pat because well she was my, my professor and uh, next we became friends. Um, initially I wasn't when I graduated with my master's from Castellet I wasn't involved in CRPA. I started CRM, started doing surveys mm -hmm. and I, I did realize that resources were being mitigated uh, relatively fast, <laughs> yeah. especially on big, big projects. Uh, I mean, I know when, when you, we work in CRM, archaeological sites are resources, and it, it, it just becomes like a product. Like, okay, you go, you record it, uh, you look at it, you're like, okay, well, doesn't look too, too important. Okay, mitigation, well, you'll just put one test unit here, see mm -hmm. what it is, uh, write a little record, and the next day, okay, bring the bulldozer, that's just great, that thing. I don't recall until now, I don't recall having worked on any project where the mitigation measure was let's cap the site, mm -hmm. let's protect it. It's only now on my current project that I finally have a case where the client is saying we want that archaeological site protected. Yeah. First time ever in over 10 years of doing CRM. Do you think that's a, a big experienced developer and they've dealt with this before and that's why they're saying that? I think it has to do with uh, the, um, the uh, B-52, the changes. Oh, Assembly Bill 52 yeah. now says under CEQA that uh, sites that are tribal cultural resources mm -hmm. have to be considered instead of just the, you know, is it a unique site, is it a significant archaeological site? Right. And they identify tribal cultural resources, it's a landscape or right, you know, even an object, and those you can't mitigate no. digging them up, you know, because it's a tribal cultural resource and they don't, they're not interested in the scientific information, they're interested 
in their ancestors and having a place where they can go and and commemorate them and, and mm -hmm. visit the site. So, my my favorite example I think of that is Mount Shasta. Yeah, isn't that an entire tribal cultural yeah, property? Right. Really, yeah. a traditional cultural property? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can't yeah. mitigate Mount Shasta. The client is, is a nonprofit organization and rather than a developer for profit to build a lot of houses and things. Yeah. So they I think they were more um, amenable and I think that a lot of credit should go to Silverin to his to his boss who uh, you know, talked to them, yeah. which is really if if more CRM archaeologists would they don't even approach and say suggest preservation of anything. Mm -hmm. Of course, to you know, to be fair, they don't get called in early enough either, to you know, to in the planning process where avoidance is a feasible option. Yeah. You know, by the time the archaeologists get involved, they may have already had the biologists out there and everybody else. And archaeologists, the last one to come out. Right. But if you get it early enough in the planning project, it would be feasible to avoid. And preserve things. You know, I'm always thinking about. Uh, that's why I started my own CRM firm. But I'm, I'm always thinking about sort of out of the box style thinking. And I was just thinking when you were saying that, I'm always trying to think. Okay, because I mean, really, if you do cap the site and you don't do a million dollars worth of excavation, I mean, the CRM firm is out all that money on excavation, right? And that's probably sort of the motivation. A lot of these people would say, let's just go excavate it because yeah. that's job security. We have a payroll to make. But my thinking is. Think about it a little differently. Don't think about it as your only um, your only avenue for money. Go to the client and say, "Listen, it will cost a half a million dollars or whatever to excavate this site, or we can save you all that money. We can cap the site. It'll cost fifty thousand dollars or whatever it's going to cost to do that. But then you give us another fifty thousand dollars to write a book about this, mm -hmm. to publish about this, to go to conferences over a certain amount and of make time, you look good. and make you look good, make the site look good, and and inform the public about this, and still save you a half a million dollars mm -hmm. because we didn't excavate it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't think CRM firms just think like that. And a lot of these, a lot of the publishing that we do, I know people just end up doing it on their own time. Yeah. Uh, you know, for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So make the client pay for it and save them money at the same time. And uh, I also think like. With site capping, there's a lot that goes into it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't really know what site capping really entails, and yeah. it's, it's a pretty complicated process. Any CRM firms that invest in specializing doing site capping can, in fact, right. probably make quite a bit of money even just doing that. Yeah. Um, and next, you still have to monitor that site through through time. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, added to that, as we well know. Archaeology is not a renewable resource. We're not biologists where we can save a few frogs, <laughs> put them together, and repopulate an area with right. those frogs. Right. We can't take flakes, put them together, and be like, hey, rock shelter, come here. It's not going to happen. I can't ask Native Americans to be like, hey, go back out there and make a rock shelter <laughs> for me, okay? There. No, that's just not possible. Right. So whatever we, you know, whatever we excavate, whatever we mitigate, it's gone, it's gone, period. Well, they could go out and make a rock shelter, but we'd have to wait another 50 years yeah, to record exactly. it, right? <laughs> so, ideally, I mean, yeah, we, we should start, yeah. in CRM, we should definitely start putting a little bit more of an emphasis on preservation as uh -huh. being the best practice for mitigation. Because right now, the best practice of mitigation is testing, excavating, mm -hmm. you know, and just writing off the site. Well, then the, then the other problem is uh, something we were talking about yesterday is 
if the if the land or something like that has a certain lease time to it, and then when that when that time ends, who's right. going to know that there was a site underneath there? Right. It's almost like we need those uh, call before you dig signs for archaeology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, somebody to call Shippo or somebody. It should be on the deed. Yeah, you know, like people shopping it. for uh, uh, where to build a supermarket. Mm -hmm. They'll pick a, a piece of land that has a huge cemetery, and they don't even know. Because no. there's no, you know, there's no way that they can right. know about that. So it should be on, it should be on the deeds too. Right. And then you know, there's the curation problem. Right. It's very hard to get a, a curation facility that meets federal re requirements uh, to take anything anymore. Mm -hmm. They're full, you know, and and nobody and the CRM firms they're not getting paid to do research per se. Right. And so, oh, we'll curate them, and somebody will. Do, do research on them later well later never happens yeah yeah so there's a lot of good reasons for why we need to change the way we're doing things now before right. it's too late before everything's gone and yeah i know chris and i we were talking yesterday about the fact that more and more museums are full mm -hmm. and sometimes you get a collection you want to get it created somewhere and it's so much time and efforts needs to be invested in even finding a place that is willing to take your artifacts in your collection and create them. Um, another thing that I want to backtrack with is, um, as far as like California and most of the states anyway, that you think of um, historical buildings, there's a, a financial incentive to keep an historic building in its uh, original state, mm -hmm. you know, and, and preserving them, you get a tax write-off sometimes or some sort of reduction in in uh, the property taxes depending where which city you live in mm -hmm. when it comes to archaeology nothing for archaeological sites so um right now like i see a, a lot of parcels of land that are in very influential areas and extremely expensive there's nothing for those landowners to uh push them to preserve those sites there's no nothing for them to to really save money or anything like that to preserve those sites mm -hmm. if there was something in the Californian legislation that say hey you know what landowner if you kept that site you'll be exempt of paying property taxes for the next 10 years yeah. 20 years right well if there was such a thing suddenly you would probably see a lot of important archaeological sites preserved but that's yeah. not the case why well that's uh something that probably you know well and needs to be changed you know represent pat you've i mean you've been working in this area for i mean quite literally since the beginning I mean, you mentioned the nhpa getting passed you don't think like that oh, was pretty much kicked it all off for, yeah. for crm right? right i mean why do you think there's still that attitude 40 plus years later almost 50 years later towards archaeology like, I mean is it because it's underground and it's buried versus like a historic building that's just in your face right. and obvious yeah. I just is it the problem is it the archaeologist's fault really well, for not I think, <laughs> I think you know if we had adobe structures and things we, we could it'd be easier right. to preserve but even some of those yeah. you know if you hear some of the horror stories of things happening in New Mexico and Arizona mm -hmm. um, with the uh, graves and things being yeah. a project going in and somehow ignoring it but yeah it's really important for the archaeologists you're standing on a vacant lot and you've got the property owners 
and there's nothing to, sh you know, and you're yeah. saying, this is really an important site. You've yeah. got to really spin a story and tell them what, you know, why it's important. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, they'll hopefully get it. That tomato spring site, I went out there with uh, the developer and uh, some of the other archaeologists on CCRPA and uh, we're standing there and you could see Catalina. Mm. There was a view of Catalina from there and I thought there's no way they're not going to build <laughs> million dollar houses here with this view. And right. But um, we walked around the side and explained how important it was and, and uh, I guess we hit them at the right right time so they agreed to preserve it. Wow. A hundred acres. So. Jeez, that's nice. Yeah. But I, I thought, oh, we're we're doomed. <laughs> Look, you could see Catalina. Yeah. Uh, but again, how long is it preserved for? Because of the way these right. things change hands. Well, that's you know that site in San Juan Capistrano. That's the founding village of the Juanaño people. Mm -hmm. There's um, Boscana, Father Boscana, who was the priest at San Juan Capistrano. He wrote down the oral traditions, mm -hmm. and. The chief Owaiso, who was uh, somewhere in, like out in Corona, mm -hmm. there weren't enough seeds for his people. Mm. So he took his his daughter and a group of people and came and found that beautiful San Juan Capistrano Valley and established a village there and left her as a chief. Yeah. And they called it Pitiedum. It means outer navel because she, <laughs> she had an outer navel. <laughs> and uh, she, she was called uh, Coroni. And so after that, all chiefs, women chiefs were called Coroni. Hmm. And I uh, did all the work to get it listed on the National Register of Historic Places, and Silvera did a lot of the more technical stuff, graphics and things. Hmm. And uh, the State Historic Preservation Office approved it, and the, the uh, uh, State Historical Resource Commission, and Adrian Praxalis is on that. Yeah. And they told us how wonderful it was that we did a really good job. They forwarded it to the keeper, and uh, the staff there said that uh, we couldn't have it listed under A or for uh, association with important events, the founding of the village, or B for a big person, because how many prehistoric sites do you know the name of someone? Right. And they won't let us do it because they're saying if they came back, they wouldn't recognize the site because of the sports field on top of it in the buildings. Wow. But they're letting us do it. They may let us do it under D. We're still waiting. I, I submitted this in 2004. Mm -hmm. And it recently is being looked at again in 2015. Mm, wow. And they're still sitting on it at the keeper's yeah. office. And they might let us do D. But what a slap to the Native Americans! They, you know, that's really an important site to yeah. them. And and what my concern is, the site is capped uh, under the ball fields, the football fields and uh, soccer fields. But what happens in fifty years when their lease runs out, and they're and they're gonna maybe a big box store will go in. They won't know. They'll yeah. dig them up. They'll dig the burials up again. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to get it listed, so at least there would be some so they know. record of it. Yeah. I see it as, uh, I mean, it's a little different having a ball field on it, but I see it as like in the, when I was in the South and Southeast United States, like Civil War battlefields that are on the register. I mean, it, you look at it, it's just like rolling hills. Yeah. You know, there's nothing there. It's right. buried. Yeah. Or there was the event that took place there, and there, yeah. there, there are probably like musket balls and things like that if you go out there with a metal detector. but. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, those get listed yeah, that's fairly that, regularly. Yeah, that a <laughs> yeah. The site is the founding village. Right. Of my, right. My if anything house. should be listed, it sounded like that. Yeah. If it sounded like if that doesn't get listed, it was like, what else can? Yeah. The, exactly. mission, the mission is listed. Oh, yeah, of course. Obviously. Yeah, because you can see it. Yeah. yeah. It's really right. very discouraging. So how does somebody get involved um, if they want to get involved with the CCRPA? Oh, we would love to have more help. <laughs> <laughs> so how do they get involved? Who would they contact? And what does that mean okay. to get involved? They can um, email me at um, p.marts at cox.net. Okay. We'll and also, the they, can, they can go on our uh, webpage mm -hmm. and, and our Facebook. And we have a, yeah, now we have a Facebook page for CCRPA, Facebook. Okay. Um, we're there. So, in fact, I think that the Facebook page has been pretty instrumental in getting yeah, more so, people yeah. involved yeah. because it, it gives us more, it makes us more visible to also other tribes throughout California and even other archaeologists and, uh, and our webpage is sort of a work in progress. The webpage, progress. yeah, webpage right now is, is looks like it's from the 1990s. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get it updated one day. As a lot of archaeology webpages <laughs> look. We love to have uh, supporters and members, um, on, people on our board. Silvera is our is the vice president now. Okay. I'm the president. He's the vice president. But and we have. Uh, it's important to have the Native Americans on mm -hmm. on the board as well. So we have three. Okay. All right. And um, what's uh, like? How do you guys get funding for what you do? I mean, I, I assume uh, your positions are not paid. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have. A, <laughs> but you must need funding for something occasionally. We, yeah. We, well, it's mostly donations. Really. And. Okay. Uh, um, Sometimes we can we put on a uh, we participate in a in Earth Day and they mm -hmm. had a raffle and we got half of the, the raffle proceeds and it's okay. just small small, small stuff, stuff. Yeah. yeah we we want to do more fundraising we did write a grant with Caltrans but we didn't get it okay. we'd like to you know try to get more funding so we can do a lot more for sure. Because in some cases, like uh, Fairview Park, where we we are against the city of Costa Mesa, who's very invested in, uh, yeah. to to have that park built as a with a soccer field and baseball field and all the other stuff they want to build on this uh, on on this property. Um, sometimes, you know, we've been going to those hearings for over what two years. And yeah, they listen to us, but they don't really mm -hmm. change their point of view because then they invested in having that property, that park built upon. And at the end of the day, you know, the, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if it's not going to end up in court. And obviously you have to spend money to get lawyers. Right. And uh, that's where like, unfortunately funding is comes into play. Well, and when we were trying to get uh, the Petitum site listed on the National Register, we had to fly to Sacramento, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of times. And yeah. so, and of course brought uh, the Native American contingent, you know, to show up and right. speak in behalf of that site. So, so, fast. Mm -hmm. so we, you know, we want to pay their, yeah. 
yep. their airfare and, and lodging and everything, and so it takes a, takes, a, takes a our budget doing that. Okay. And also, there's uh, things that we can send them to. You know, there's uh, different conferences and, and things that would be really good to be able to s send some of the Native American uh, CCRPA members to. Mm -hmm. And we would like to put on some uh, CRM or uh, laws and regs and uh, CEQA stuff for Native American groups. So because they really don't understand, you know, they get tons of letters saying, do you care about this site? Respond. You have thirty days, and they don't. You know, they don't know what how to yeah. how to work with that, and because they don't understand how CEQA works, and it would be good to you know bring people in and have Train workshops. workshops. And we did one at Cal State Long Beach, and we did a workshop on CEQA for the Native Americans. Okay. Yeah, we need funding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Um, can people? Uh, if somebody listening to this wanted to donate, is there information on that on the website? Um, on Facebook, is it? Yeah, well, we created a PayPal account for donations, but I, I still need to have the link. Where is it on? Facebook. Right now, it's in nowhere. <laughs> so coming soon. Coming soon, coming soon. we'll yeah. accept donation. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> right now, I'm sure if they emailed you, Pat, they would, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. you would gladly take their money. <laughs> really, and it would go for a good cause. But we we need more people too. Yeah. So anybody, you know, all they all they need to do is is care about preserving archaeological sites and about Native Americans. And, and what I don't think we've like absolutely addressed. If somebody came to you, they're just a I don't know. Let's say they're a field technician working for some random company, and they say, "I want to do something." Mm -hmm. Like, what would they what would, what would they do? Um, help us write letters, okay. help the Native Americans write letters, mm -hmm. and uh, go to hearings, okay. um, participate in some, some of our outreach. We do some educational things and mm -hmm. they can help with that. We need people who can write and, and get uh, letters to the editor and right. you know things like that. So, you guys have tables at some of the bigger conferences yeah. too, usually? Yeah. yeah, probably need people to sit at those tables too. Yeah, yeah, right. tell people about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we had a table at uh, Fairview Park because the, the friends of Fairview Park put on a, a big uh, uh, what thing for people to come to. And mm -hmm. so we had a table there and Native Americans played flutes and nice. things like that. So the Native Americans have, are, are gaining more power. Mm -hmm. And so I, I tell them, you know, as an archeologist, I, I can't really do much for preservation because you, as an archaeologist, you you can mitigate it, yeah. you know. But Native Americans can say, "Hey, you need to preserve this because that's not helping our, you know, yeah. our values." So, right. so I think they're gaining more power, especially with that AB fifty two. So we're trying to get more of them to participate because for they were so repressed through time. They don't think that they have any mm -hmm. any power or that anyone's going to listen to them. So, or that even anybody really cares. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them think that hey, you know, they really think that they they are that they are the only individuals that really care about their own heritage. But right. you know, our, as archaeologists, we we went in archaeology because we like the history. We like obviously the Native American culture because that's what we're looking at. Most of the time, uh, you didn't get into it for the money. 
Oh. <laughs> and we took a vow of taking Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's called a BA in anthropology, right? Yeah. Um, no. Um, <laughs> so is there anything, uh, oh, before I get to that, do you know of any other groups like this uh, in other states, in the United States? Than in... I, I don't. I, yeah. there, there must, must be, be right. but yeah. I wish there were more. Yeah. Um, I've given information to some Chumash people who wanted to form a similar group, and I don't know if they ever did, but I gave them how the, the blanks of how to be a nonprofit and, mm -hmm. and some of the, uh, uh, well, our mission statements on the back of our card and, you know, how, yeah. how, to, how to develop a, a nonprofit. So. Okay. Well, that's good. It almost sounds like uh, since you took the best name for this organization for the whole state of California. It almost seems like you have chapters across yes, California. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So, okay. Well, is there anything um, that you guys really want to mention about this or something about you're doing that we didn't talk about yet? We have a lot of different <laughs> sites that we're trying to preserve that mm -hmm. Cap Pendleton wants to do training on Panhe, which is a, a Billington cemetery that Rebecca Robles' ancestors are buried in. Wow. And, uh, our ancestor, based on the archive from the mission, mm -hmm. her ancestors are literally Absolutely there, right. there. So it's yeah. really her, her, her ancestors, like direct line. Yeah. And they want yeah. to do track vehicles under trestles, which is a big surfing mm -hmm. beach, and and uh, come up on Panhe and the San Mateo Archaeological District. And they're saying, well, we're only going to go down 50 centimeters. Mm -hmm. But every year, they go down 50 centimeters. And they're saying, because it's plowed. Well, plowed sites in California are still have important information. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so there's a, a number of projects that we're working on to try to okay. preserve them. I, I haven't heard you, you mentioned this, so I'll ask you because I just thought about it. Um, have you guys worked... Uh, in your history with any historic sites and preserving historic sites as well. Um, yeah, yeah, we recorded the uh, San, San Juan Capistrano Hot Springs. Okay. So at, at, as a volunteer, we went out, yeah. volunteers and, and students, mm -hmm. and so we went out and uh, cleared the vegetation and recorded all the, the uh, hot springs, mm -hmm. the different soaking areas, because the rangers wanted to uh, remove all the historic foundations and the historic things around them and so we we recorded it so that they could uh and form a management plan and preserve the historic yeah. structures and foundations there so. okay okay well i think uh we'll have some we'll have some links on the website uh on the uh, show notes page for this www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash crm arc podcast forward slash 68 or just click on the link that's probably in your podcast player right now or on the website and you'll go to these uh, show notes so check out their website check out the facebook page um and uh we'll have pat's email in the in the show notes as well yeah. and uh you know get involved and and uh we did a profiles episode with pat uh that's also on the website at forward slash profiles um and that's one one place where we mentioned, and this is a way you can you can help do this. But that's one place where we mentioned, uh, you know, half of your job is doing archaeology, whatever that means to you, quote unquote, doing archaeology, and the other half is telling people about it. And and I think that's part of the preservation efforts here is, is also right. yeah. in information, you know, and just yeah. just getting information out there to the public. Yeah, so. and uh, 
people who want to help us, you know, we could use talented people who, who are creative that could help us educate the public yeah. and, and, and educate planners. And, right. So and, and that do, would be really good. You know, they could put on whatever kind of interpretive for sure. information. So we're maybe, looking for people like that. Maybe whatever Calif part of California you live in or call home, you can, in the name of the CCRPA, you could go and put on a, put out an outreach event. You know, right, some yeah. sort of outreach local... is really important yeah. because uh, most people think the Indians are extinct. Right. You know, there's no right. there's no Indians here, and there's no in archaeology. There's no there's nothing here. Yeah. You know, so it's really important, and we got we have to do more to get the public. Mm -hmm. Uh, know, knowing things and if there's a really important site I mean they should have videos of it there should be non-technical reports with lots of pictures there, there needs to be information out there no wonder the public doesn't care right you know they, they're not getting anything and that was the whole reason for data recovery mm -hmm. was to provide inspiration and benefit for the public and they're not getting any yeah. in anything from these sites right Okay, well, on that note, uh, I think we'll call it for this week. And uh, thanks, Pat. Thanks, Silver. And uh, like I said, check out the resources in the show notes. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash CRM Podcast. If you like the show and want to comment, please do. You can leave comments about this or any other episode on the website or on the iTunes page for the episode. You can also email me at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com or use the contact form on the podcast webpage. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or tweet your questions with the hashtag CRMARCpodcast or you can tag at ARCpodnet in your tweet. Please share the link to the show wherever you saw it. If you share CRM archaeology-related items on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else for that matter, be sure to use the hashtag CRMARC so the community can see and comment. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. You can also type the name of the podcast into your favorite podcasting app and subscribe that way. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It helps us get noticed so more people can find our podcast and benefit from the content. Also, send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Also, please consider donating to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Your donations help fund our bandwidth and contribute to our editing costs. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US dollars a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.